Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Kings chapter 19 from the World English Bible. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree. Then he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, O Yahweh, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. He looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on the coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. Yahweh's angel came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. He arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, God's mountain. He came to a cave there and camped there, and behold, Yahweh's word came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for Yahweh, the God of armies, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before Yahweh. Behold, Yahweh passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains, and broke in pieces the rocks before Yahweh. But Yahweh was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but Yahweh was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake a fire passed, but Yahweh was not in the fire. After the fire there was a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out, and stood in the entrance of the cave. Behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for Yahweh, the God of armies, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Yahweh said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, to be prophet in your place. He who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and he who escapes from the sword of Jehu, 
Elisha will kill. Yet I reserved seven thousand in Israel, all the knees of which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. Elijah went over to him and put his mantle on him. Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me please kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. He said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? He returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and killed them and boiled their meat with the instruments of the oxen and gave to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and served him. That is the end of chapter 19. I had two initial thoughts when I read verses 1 and 2 here in chapter 19. One was that King Ahab just admitted that he didn't have power in his own kingdom to stop the killing of his wife's honored prophets. Remember, in chapter 18, verse 19, it says they ate at Jezebel's table. And two, Jezebel was not heeding what had just happened if she's swearing by the gods, small g gods, which implies inclusive gods of whom she calls God. They were all just proved quite ineffectual. Then in verses 3 and 4, Elijah ran for his life, which seems to be quite literal. He is tired of everything, dealing with the wickedness, but while he runs for his life from Jezebel, he then asks Yahweh to take his life. But he doesn't seem like he really wants to die. He just needs encouragement and refreshment, which God provides. Not a lot of people are recorded as being touched by an angel. And this appearance of an angel is an exception to the do not be afraid presentation that my kids and I always laughed about. God is treating Elijah in a very kindly and patient way in his exhaustion. Then we get another 40, the number 40, which in all biblical examples seems to go with the idea of testing or proving, such as it raining for 40 days and nights, the wanderings of the children of Israel for 40 years, and the temptation of Jesus for 40 days. In his time of fasting and thinking about the desperation of the situation, Elijah does go to Horeb. In Exodus 3.1, Horeb is referred to as the mountain of God. It is where the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in the flame of the burning bush. It is also where Moses struck the rock, according to instructions, to get water in Exodus 17.6. The second time that Moses was supposed to talk to the rock was 165 miles away in Kadesh. Horeb is apparently another name for Mount Sinai, so it is where Moses got the Ten Commandments and all of the law. See Malachi 4.4 and Exodus 33. Some non-believers get really bent out of shape about the interchangeable use of Mount Sinai and Horeb, but I learned a long time ago that just because I don't understand exactly why a certain thing is done in the Bible doesn't mean the Bible is wrong. Sooner or later, it proves itself reliable time and time again. But by the way, no one seems to know for sure where this area is, Horeb and Mount Sinai, but other verses where Horeb is the name used are Deuteronomy 29, 1 Kings 8-9, and Psalm 
Now, even though Yahweh is being very gentle with Elijah and helping him, he's still going to ask him a rhetorical question, what are you doing here? Twice. It kind of reminds me of Jesus asking Peter, do you love me, which is described in John 21, 15. This is after Jesus has been resurrected. These questions are being asked to get the man of the moment to examine himself. After Elijah's first answer, which he leaves off the prior request for Yahweh to take his life, Yahweh tells Elijah to go out of the cave and stand on the mountain before Yahweh, which Elijah doesn't actually do until the still small voice. First, God shows that by his might, he causes or controls overwhelming aspects of nature, but they do not represent his person or how he wants to interact with Elijah, or any of us faithful, maybe we could extrapolate. Yahweh is gentle peace, a soft beckoning to those who love him. Elijah recognized this, and this is when he goes out. Then Yahweh asks the same question, and Elijah gives the same pleading answer. However, the second time, Yahweh gives him his next assignment with a hint of a limit to Elijah's time in service here, since he will be anointing his replacement. Yahweh also includes a correction of Elijah's perspective, which should also be an encouragement, because he explains he still has 7,000 faithful who have not worshipped Baal. The wording here in the World English Bible can be misunderstood, but it doesn't mean God has forced or determined them to be faithful. It means they are reserved in the passive sense, or as Young's literal translation says, I have left in Israel 7,000. The men that Elijah will anoint will be instruments of God's judgment on the wicked nation, including Elisha. He will also be an instrument of judgment whom we meet for the first time in verse 19. He is a working man. Elisha seems to know right away who Elijah is and what the mantle means. And he shows that he has an attitude of honoring his parents. He wants to say farewell. And he has an attitude of honoring God. He sacrifices from his own resources. At first, I pictured him pulling a plow with 24 oxen in front of him, which would mean he was a very strong man. I can't tell for sure exactly if that's what is happening, but according to Easton's Bible Dictionary and also the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, a yoke of oxen implies or signifies a pair coupled together. Hence its use in Matthew eleven twenty nine when Jesus says, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And in 2 Corinthians 6.14, where it cautions us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And then finally, Elisha honors Elijah by following and serving. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.